That's it's like my mother time. asks me every day, how many babies have you made? And how how many have you ever worked it out? I never work it out, but it's a definitely more than 20,000 at least. Wow. <laughs> it's difficult to, to remember all the names. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can well believe that. I'm Chris Lawson. In 2015, I started my journey into the world of IVF. Along the way, there was heartache, pain, wacky diets, loss of faith, and a lot of needles. It's a roller coaster ride at the best of times, and as I sat in the fertility clinic waiting room many times, alone with my thoughts, I realised that men don't talk about fertility much. That's why I decided to start up this podcast, IVF Dad. This is my story, and it features some of the experts we met along the way, complete with advice, support, and money-saving tips. Episode 7, Transfer and Hope. Five days after a collection, it's transfer time, and it comes around super fast. Unless, of course, your eggs have been frozen for one reason or another. For first-timers, and for first-timers over 40, we've done amazingly well. They obtained 14 eggs a collection, 13 of which were mature enough to inject with sperm. I did my bit, and finding out the following day from the embryologist that they'd fertilised just felt like such a huge relief. It is rare, but some couples do find that none of them fertilise. 12 fertilised normally, and we ended up with four blastocysts. As it was the first round, we decided to put one back, partly as it was our first time and we thought we'd wait and see what happens. And basically, we end up with a good quality blastocyst called 5AA. We were going to get transferred with a further two quality good blastocysts frozen on day five and another blastocyst frozen on day six. So basically, we put three back in the freezer to keep our options open for later. But this isn't a straightforward stats game. It isn't all about what quality they are. Cycles with 5 to 10 eggs often yield the same number of blastocysts as those with 15 to 20. But whatever your stats, don't get disheartened. It only takes one. And trying to predict which one that will turn out to be can tie you up in knots. So just trust the process. Blastocysts. Such an important word in this process that comes up time and time again. I'll get Emma, the embryologist, to explain why it's so important a bit later. And just to recap, it's a difficult decision as they all are. There are pros and cons of putting one embryo back or two. Put one back, less chance of twins, slightly greater chance of a healthier outcome, read disabilities, abnormalities, etc. More chances for you to fill the five-a-side football team up at a later stage. Put two back, more chance of twins, Two for the price of one. And when it comes to the transfer costs, yes, you do need to think about things like that. Greater odds of one working, but sadly you may lose one on the way. And greater odds of achieving one or two babies out of a cycle. However, if there are twins, then there are slightly increased odds around disabilities and abnormalities. It's generally recommended to put one back, apart from certain circumstances. We go for one this time, we're feeling great about this. So far, we are straight A students, apart from that minor dalliance with Trish twisting her ovaries. Listen to episode five if you need a recap on that. So, that's what we decide and the day arrives. 
In the meantime, Trish is on another routine of drugs. We stop the injections and move on to another round in order to thicken the uterus linings and make it as receptive to the implantation. And that's what we're waiting for. And we wait and wait and wait again. But basically, it's about four to five days after collection. This appointment is in the middle of the day, no rude awakenings, and we are back in the waiting room, along with all of the other couples at the different stages of their journey. The waiting room, that's all we do. We wait for scans, we wait for results, we wait for drugs, we wait for blood tests, we wait for news, we wait for instructions, and we wait for our baby. But today feels hopeful. We take a leisurely stroll to the hospital, grab some lunch, and we start walking down the corridor to the consulting room as usual, but we're diverted down another corridor into another room. This isn't normal. We're greeted by a consultant and a nurse, We say hello nervously. It's like turning up to some weird interview. It's incredibly bright. There's a medical bed and an ensuite bathroom, but this is anything other than a hotel room. This is clinical. There's one of those ominous hatches in the wall, and I wonder what's behind that. And the ultra scanning equipment is on, and the bed is ready for Trish. As usual, I have to assume that the chair or respectful two foot away from the bed is for me. And as usual, I look at the floor making small talk as Trish undresses and jumps onto the bed. And then the atmosphere changes. Sonia starts talking. You will meet her later on. But she's the nurse that looks after all of the actual transfers. And she makes a smile. Everyone is all smile and then the hatch pops open and we're joined by the embryologist in full PPE, poking her head through, cheerily saying hello. And we start to relax in this very, very surreal environment. We're told that they get Trish set up, they will scan her, obviously, they always scan. And then they will get our embryo ready. They show it to us on the screen and then insert it into the uterus. We nod with this little briefing and I stretch over so I can hold Trisha's hand. She almost cuts off the circulation in my fingers. And everyone is doing their best to be cheery and calm. And I'm wondering whether this is a precision laser-guided golf putt or whether you just need to get the embryo somewhere on the fairway. I think better of asking and just let them get on with their job. I'm watching the screen and thinking, Christ, I hope they can make sense of it. The nurse is saying, there's the uterus. Can you see the probe going in now? No, is the answer to both, but I say yes anyway. Then they tell the embryologist they're ready, and she passed me a vial to confirm that the name and date of birth on the label is ours. We say yes, and then she disappears, and then we see the blastocyst appear on a computer screen. It looks like a cell, but it's our cell. This is our future child. It's a weird moment. And then they put it in a syringe and inject it into Trish, aiming for that perfect spot. God, I pray they hit it. And that's it. Apart from one lovely touch, we get a card with a photo of our embryo. Yes, our embryo, our hope. Then that's it. Clothes back on, that's Trish, not me. And I'm asking the questions that I've been thinking about. Can Trish do exercise? Light, but maybe not rugby. Can we fly? Yes, but probably not advisable to jet off long haul. 
Trish asks whether she can drink coffee, second only to having a child to her, that's the most important question. And before I can get my question out, they answer it themselves. Yes, you can have sex. No, you don't need bed rest. Yes, you can drink in moderation and just relax. And I'm glad we got these answers as our family seem intent on locking us in a room in a straitjacket waiting for Trish to cook. And you can understand why everyone has everything crossed, hoping that this is going to work. But that's incredibly hard to do. You've got to occupy your mind and relax as you wait to find out whether this is going to help you get to your dream or not. So that's it. We go and celebrate with a good lunch and we wait and hope. Man, wouldn't this be good if it all sorted itself out after one go, leaving all those options for later. And that can happen. 33% of live births are after one round of IVF. So let's take a break here. Talk some facts. One embryo or two. UK regulations means that no more than two should be inserted at any one time. If you're under 39, however, it should only be one, unless there are no top quality embryos. Women over 40 may have two embryo transfers, and that's partly because of a ticking clock. Transferring two can have its advantages. Getting pregnant quicker, However, there is a risk that you have a double pregnancy, twins, which can be more risky, especially in older women. Any leftover may be frozen. The benefit of freezing your embryos are that you will not have to have further egg retrieval should you try again in the future, so it's less costly. And actually, there's relatively limited risk if your embryos are frozen. We'll come back to freezing embryos in a moment as I'd like to let Emma, one of the embryologists at the clinic, explain a bit more about how they know when an embryo or blastocyst is ready to transfer back into the uterus. By the time you get to day five or day six, the embryos have gone under exponential growth. And if they've reached the blastocyst stage, they are actually between 100 and 200 cells. Well, no one's going to sit there with an embryo out of the microscope and try and count 100 or 200 cells. So you use a score based on their visual assessment to how far along in their journey they are in the blastocyst development. Now, imagine an embryo. It's a bit like a chicken egg. It's inside a shell, this whole journey. The reason it's inside its shell is because if you were to get pregnant naturally, it would be travelling down the fallopian tube at this stage. So the shell protects it from implanting in the wrong place. And as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it forces itself against that shell and it literally hatches out. Now, it does that when it enters the uterus and makes people pregnant. Now, in the dish, that happens around day five. And that process of getting towards hatching is called expansion. Mm. So we start with a number. We start with a number from one to five. One is a very small blastocyst. And five is a hatching blastocyst. So the number we start with is one, two, three, or five, three or four or five. By the time you get to blastocyst stage, you've gone from something that's a single cell entity to something with two cell lines. Now, one cell line will be go on to make the placenta, and one cell line will go on to make the fetus, what we call the inner cell mass. So we then use letters to grade the quality of them. Now that quality is very visual. We're looking at something down a microscope, giving it a number for how far along in its journey and giving it two letters based on the two cell lines we can see and those quality of those cell lines. So you end up with something along the lines of a 3BB, a 4CC, 
A is top quality, D is very poor quality. Yeah. So we're always looking for those AA embryos. I'm a bit of a fussy embryologist. So I don't give them out that often. Yeah. So yes, you would have been to- you would have been given five different grades. You right. would have been told embryo one is a four BB, embryo two is a, a four CB, and it's it's very much about what it visually looks like. But that yeah. visual stance it tells us what we can physically can and can't do with those embryos. Yeah. And does it give you a bit of a mark in terms of like how successful they're going to be yeah definitely i mean you definitely see more pregnancies from your your aa grade or ab's or your yeah. bb grade embryos once we get into the rounds of c's you are dealing with more average quality embryos they yeah. definitely give less pregnancies right if you get towards a d grade embryo you are dealing with an embryo that's probably starting to deteriorate or die yeah um and as awful as that is to hear it, it would be much better that we told you that than you go swimming around with your what you think is a picture perfect embryo back inside you yeah it probably hasn't got any chance of creating a pregnancy yeah um in regards to genetic testing that grade is vitally important into what we can and can't do because you've not only got to genetically remove some of these cells from the embryo and and the embryo tolerate it you've got to freeze these, these embryos and it's that grade in itself that enables us to give the patients a realistic outcome of, of can we test them next to can we freeze them yeah so if you're just putting one back randomly what what's the percent of that one working it depends on your age so in a patient who is let's go with a patient that's 40 and has a blastocyst we know that as you get older probably around the 40 40 year old mark is a 75% chance that any fertilized egg is abnormal probably by the blastocyst stage you're probably looking at about a 25-30% chance of getting a pregnancy okay. from a blastocyst going yeah. back. So, I mean, for us, it felt like a, a good decision to make. But then, as as you say, we only got two that, that time. So we thought, well, we might as well just chuck them back in yeah. anyway. But we were still just sort of reeling from the fact that we'd gone from so many to down to two. But I, I think the other thing that was really fascinating through that process was that yeah, we'd, we'd literally be getting, a, or Trish would be getting a phone call from you guys every day, wouldn't we, just mm. during that sort of process? Yeah. yeah. And uh, just a bit of an update as to as to what's happening. Yeah, IVF can be, you already feel like this is out of your hands, and, and it is, it, it absolutely is, but to have no communication with the laboratory where something so precious to you is being held mm. is, is, to me, mental torture. So mm. we are very, very aware of that we're in here doing a job but you're sat at home wondering what we're doing. So it, we do phone our patients on day one, day three. Um, and if you're doing genetic screening, day five and day six, um, if you're having a transfer, you'll see us on day five for your transfer. Yeah. And that, that transfer moment, everything is built around that. That's the, that's the pressure. But if you're if you're having a frozen embryo, mm-hmm. that's still quite a, a tough day, isn't it? Because I, Yeah, I imagine it is for, for the person at the end. It's yeah. actually for us, it's... Um, it's the it's the easier bit because the embryos are already made. Yeah. The embryos are are frozen. So you're um, just turning the dial around to three on the <laughs> microwave. And... <laughs> uh, a little bit. It's actually probably a little bit quicker. Um, thawing an embryo takes four minutes. Four minutes. So, yeah. Wow. So it's 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 super quick. You are just introducing water, and it's a very simple process. The freezing is probably the trickier of the two the two mm-hmm. processes. But once you've got a frozen embryo in storage, you can see what quality it was. You know that it's got a really good chance of survival nowadays. And yeah, mm. so four minutes later, you can pretty much have a look, and then we leave them alone for quite a few hours to make sure they've recovered. Mm. Um, but yes, I imagine it's a very long day on the other side of it. Absolutely, because you know you still think it could all go wrong. Absolutely, yeah. Even at that point. 
And, and what is the risk of freezing and defrosting? Again, we go back to those grades. So we talk about the A's and the B's and the C's and the D's when you yeah. talk about blastocyst grading. Anything with an A, 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 B, 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 we give about 90 to 95% survival rates to. As you get towards the C-grade embryos, it drops probably to around 70%, 75%. So it's good, good odds, really good odds with a good quality blastocyst at the end. Yeah. And does it, does it like go off over time? Does it? No, no. I think there's a real thought that they have to use them quickly. Yeah. We are putting these embryos from, from the incubators into solutions to protect them. And then they are immersed into liquid nitrogen, which is minus 196 degrees. There is no biological activity at, at that temperatures. You are literally freezing something in time, whether you use that embryo tomorrow or you use it in 20 years time, the outcome will be the same. Now, I'd like to introduce you to Sonia. Sonia was one of the nurses that was ever present at embryo transfer stage, a real positive ray of light. So Sonia, how long have you been here? Longer than 20 years and making babies, as my mother said, 17, 18 years. Wow. It's like my mother asks me every day, how many babies have you made? How how many have you ever worked it out? I never worked it out, but it's a definitely more than 20,000 at least. Wow, <laughs> it's that's difficult to, to remember all the names. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can well believe that. So tell us about your role then. What I'm doing during the embryo transfer is mainly assist consultant on the day to uh, transfer the embryo from the lab into the women's uterus. Okay? Yeah. It's uh, using a fine, fine tube we um, deposit the embryo inside the uterus. And uh, usually I'm the one who is uh, scanning. Usually I show them how the uh, embryo, it go into the uterus. I, know. I don't know if you remember the bright dot. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, that's right. I remember Which, you had to tell me it was the bright dot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And even it's like, as you know, all my colleagues, they love when I explain the uterus, it looks like an avocado. Okay, <laughs> and we put the seal inside the avocado. And and yeah, I mean, talking about that um, picture, the embryo. I mean, it's a, a strange old thing because you're in that room, and the, the embryologist pokes their pokes their head around <laughs> the, the hatch, and uh, and and you're thinking, my God, this, this is a bit <laughs> odd. And um, and they're all gowned up in like full PPP like <laughs> equipment, and uh, and then you get a picture of. Your embryo. Your future baby. Yeah. I always say to say, hopefully this one is the first picture of your album. And do you ever do you ever see an embryo and go, I've got a good feeling yeah, about yeah, this yeah. one? Even twins. I saw even the embryos on the monitor and it's like they're twins. They are twins. Yep. Brilliant. That's amazing. Great. Amazing. How do you keep up? Because you must be doing so many a week. Do you try and find out? Well, I saw that um, couple on Tuesday and 10 days after you try yeah. and find out where yeah, they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. You follow. And even if, I, for example, if I, you know, if you got extremely difficult transfer for people that, for example, they got uh, different treatment. I think for me the worst is I know the survival of the embryo on yeah. the frozen. Yeah. That is uh, always devastating always. Is I you suffer as well as the patient suffer when the embryo is not there or or you know or you see something then you say okay let's wait for the miracle yeah. but the miracle happened 
I know, but even as you say it, it, it takes me back. It takes me back oh. to the fact that this is a roller coaster. It's a roller and, coaster. and yes, for us, fantastically, it ended up with a positive result. But there are there are times when you think, well, you know, that's bad news, and we weren't expecting that today. And and you're you're the one delivering that quite yeah. often, aren't you? You can, you know, you can prepare yourself. You can prepare yourself, and all of us we reacting in different ways as well. Okay, and it's your personal life. It's your personal life, and it's I, you know, I'm lucky as well to be part of that. Okay, it's a it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Ten days later, it's time for Trish to wee on a stick from Boots. We're both excited. Our first pregnancy test during IVF. I hold my breath, waiting for a blue line. And there is no blue line. Unfortunately, our first attempt didn't work. Trish did five pregnancy tests. She simply couldn't believe that she wasn't pregnant. She wasn't bleeding, and it had gone past the test day and her cycle day. But of course, the medicine was suppressing nature. How did I feel? Well, I felt shocked in a way, as I was holding a bit of myself back for protection. But at the same time, I, I, I wanted it to work, and I sort of assumed it would. But it didn't matter that we had A-class embryos. It didn't matter how many we put back. We hug each other, but we can't be gutted. I mean, it's the first time, right? But there is that first seed of doubt planted at that exact moment. What if this doesn't work? What if our age is going to count against us too much? What if there is something going on we don't understand? Maybe it's me, or maybe it's that supporting role that's required at the moment. But this is team coach time. This is a glass half full, not a glass half empty. Look, we've got another three opportunities. We knew this was the long game. We now know that we are in good enough shape to produce a good amount of eggs that can be fertilised successfully. We've got to second base, at least. But I can imagine as a team coach underneath it all, there's still disappointment with every loss, with every failure, and a bit of fear. At this stage, I'm not that good at showing both. The sadness gets buried while the others feels a little bit forced. Over time, I learned that it's actually okay to feel positive and sad at the same time. In fact, it's essential to feel both. And next episode, we're now on the roller coaster of multiple rounds, some highs, some lows, as well as some big financial decisions to take that could save us a lot of money. Thank you for listening. This has been IVF Dad. I started this podcast to provide support during the lonely fertility journey and ensure others didn't suffer in silence. So please do share it with anyone it can help. Log on to ivfdad.com. I would love to hear from you and hear your stories. For future episodes, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, etc. Follow us on Insta and Twitter at ivfdadpodcast and on the website, check out the email and the show notes. There's some great links, advice and money-saving tips. Stay healthy, stay positive and remember, it only takes one.